0: Exodus chapter 17, can we turn there together? If you need a Bible, we have Bibles on the back table by where our offering box is, or the verses will be on the screen also. I just really want to encourage you to read along with us, and um, I want to encourage you to also have something to write with. I want to give you some verses later on to go back to, to meditate on lately later, maybe something for your week. But I want us to read together Exodus 17. We're going to read verses 8 through 16 together. it says this Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim So Moses said to Joshua choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill Whenever Moses held up his hands Israel prevailed and whenever he lowered his hands Amalek prevailed Verse 14, it says, And then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book, and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is My Banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Church, let's pray together. Father God, I just thank You for this morning. I thank You for Your Word God, and as we've sung over and over again this morning, God, Lord, we are so thankful for your name and what that means for us. Father God, I pray whatever we come in with, God, whatever we've had going on this week, Lord, I pray we lay those things at your feet and begin to receive the truth of your word for us. God, not my words, but yours, God. Let us rest in you. God, let us glorify you this morning, God. And Father God, I just pray that in all our weaknesses and all our needs, God, that we know that in you we find everything. Lord, we find completion, we find perfection. Father God, let us rest in that here this morning. Father, we love you and thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, church, good morning. Thank you for braving the weather. I'm so thankful that the Lord shined down on us today and, and kind of killed the rain to allow us to be able to be here this morning together. Um, you know, for those who are joining us online, I pray God to just protect them, and I pray we can have a good morning together this morning. But I'm really excited because this morning we're going to start a new series for the, for the summer that's going to carry us through July. Uh, and if we have entitled this series, He Is, uh, where we're going to study the compound names of God, specifically those that begin with Jehovah. And this morning we begin in Exodus 17. We see this situation, this moment come up where we see that one of those names used, one of those nine names of God used. And for us, over the course of the series, I pray that we see this more than just informational, but I pray that we can see the significance and the application of these names in the life of a believer, even today, thousands of years after these situations that even take place, what this means for us today. Because what we do, and recognizing this as we're remembering and we're celebrating and acknowledging Him as we navigate our day to day experience. In Psalm 117, verse 2, it says, For great is His steadfast love towards us, and the faithfulness of God of the Lord endures forever. And so the truths that we celebrate, even though they may not be prescriptive to us, meaning giving us something to do, they are describing the very God that we worship, or they're descriptive, and so they're telling us something about God that we can hold on to today. And this morning we start with the first name of God that we're going to discuss, and that's the Lord is my banner, or Jehovah Nissi, and... You know, today what we focus on, you know, Jehovah meaning the existing one or the Lord... And that second part, nisi, meaning banner or signal or flagstaff. And so the context of what's going on here, you know, uh, Moses has just, through the power of God, just led the children of Israel out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They've began their journey into the wilderness. God has provided bread for them. He has provided manna for them when they were hungry. He provided water for them from a rock when Moses struck it and the water poured out when they were thirsty. God has provided for them in all of these ways. And so where we see here in Exodus chapter 17, what we're seeing here is their first conflict, their first physical conflict since leaving Egypt. You know, they've left slavery, they began, began this journey towards the place that God has called them to, the, the promised land, the land of Canaan. And so they've, they've ran into all these ailments and these issues and these, these needs that they've had, and God has provided. Well, they, and they run into their first physical conflict on their journey. The first opposition to their progression. Their first conflict with someone besides themselves. Because leading up to this moment their main enemy has been themselves. And their doubts, and their fears, and their hungers, and then their thirst. And so now they run into their first conflict with someone besides themselves. You know, and, and Moses, being the leader in the situation, and the people, they've seen God provide victories as they wander the wilderness and face these obstacles for their progress. And so, you know... What I, I think, you know, I, I love the, the story and the narrative of the children of Israel going through the wilderness. Because honestly, I truly believe that most of our lives is lived out in the wilderness. You know, moving, progressing towards this promised place that God has called us to, that He has called His people to. And so, you know, not only for them, and even for us today, is navigating the wilderness difficult enough, but also encountering these unexpected enemies. As they do, as they're navigating, they come across this enemy of Amalek. And so, for us, as we navigate the, the wilderness of our experience, you know, uh, for, for, like I said, for us, being most of our life, I believe, is truly navigating this wilderness. And, and for many of us, that wilderness is, you know, for me and, and my family, maybe for you, the wilderness of parenting. The the wilderness of marriage, the wilderness of singleness, the wilderness of, of, of Christian life as we navigate this together. The wilderness of our jobs, the wilderness of all these things that we're trying to figure out. You know, not only do we deal with the unexpected of what's ahead of us, but also we deal with the ambushes of the enemy. These conflicts that come up. And so, what I truly believe this morning, what I believe that we can see from this, is that when things seem right, you know, as they've, God has provided, God has done for them, and they're navigating the wilderness, just when things seem right, that we seem on the right track, that we're just getting off well, that opposition steps in front of them. That a conflict steps in front of them, I think, is very similar to how our life is most of the time that for many of us as we're navigating our wilderness, we're either coming into conflict or we're entering out of conflict. Some type of opposition that comes against us. And for us this morning, that when we are understanding and acknowledging God as our banner, this is so vital to our progress and our experience in the Christian life. What does that mean that the Lord is my banner? And I think there are two things. There's so much that we could say this morning within this text. There's so much here. But there's two things that I want us to focus on this morning as we acknowledge who He is and how this carries us, how this helps us as we navigate our life. We navigate the wilderness and the conflicts and the ambushes of the enemy that come against us. Two things that come with God being our banner. And the first thing is this, is that God as our banner brings confidence. That God as our banner brings confidence. In verse 9, we see where it, where the, the, it says, it says uh, Moses says, he says, I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God. And so, what Moses' intention, as they enter into this conflict, we see that Moses said, listen, we're going to send an army. First off, I love Moses' approach as a leader here. He says, look, we're not going to tuck tail and run the other way. That when the conflict comes, when the enemy comes, when the opposition comes, we are going to face it. Which I think is a beautiful example for us as people today, as we navigate the wilderness of our lives, as we engage in conflicts, and whatever that looks like, and whatever that opposition looks like in our life as we navigate uh, marriage, or parenting, or whatever. Whatever that, that may be, that we face those things. We engage with those things. And Moses says, he says, we're going to send men, we're going to send an army to engage the enemy that is standing in the way of us getting to the promised place that God has called us to. And so what does Moses say? Moses says that he's going to go to the top of the hill with the staff of God. He's going to go to the highest point, not to spectate, but what he's doing here in this confidence that he's carrying into this conflict is that he's going to stand at the highest point with the staff of God. And so what does this staff represent? Well, if we go back two chapters, two or three chapters, we see Moses standing in front of the Red Sea raising a staff. You know, you go back a few chapters from that and God tells him, listen, I'm going to give you this staff to go to Pharaoh to try to convince him to let the people of Israel go. So what this staff is a representation of is this staff is a representation of the faithfulness of God. What God has done for them. This is the same staff that struck the rock and water poured out a chapter before this. So this staff is a representation of the faithfulness of God. I love how Moses... In his, in his leadership, he knew that the most important aspect of fighting these battles was to make sure that the presence and the faithfulness of God was seen above all other things. You know, it doesn't say that they went and they equipped themselves with more weapons. It didn't say that they, that they, that they schemed some plan to hide and ambush, nothing. Like he said, listen, we're going to engage in the battle and I'm going to go to the top of this hill and make sure that the faithfulness of God is seen. You know, to carry that confidence into our families, to make sure that that above all things, that what we see is the faithfulness of God, that that is that thing that is carrying us along the way. You know, and I, I just thought it was very unique in thinking about this. You know, I started to research and kind of look into what the, the part that flag bearers played, have played in wars over the centuries. You know, what, what part did they play? What was the purpose of that? You know, even as as early as the Civil War, these things were going on. And so what would happen is that, you know, in ancient wars, or even wars here, uh, even recent, you know, they would, these flag bearers, they they would carry these staffs, these flag staffs with the colors of the flag of their nation on it, and they would stand, not in the back, not in the middle, not off to the side. They would go to the very front lines, marching weaponless into battle. They could never run away from the fight because the purpose of the flag bearer was to give direction to the rest of the army. It was to let them know where the front lines were. It was to let them know where the progression was. It was to let them know where the enemy was coming from. And it was to be this beacon of hope and pride and confidence for them to remind them that we're fighting and moving for something way more than just a conflict. We're fighting for a hope in something far beyond this. And so these flag bearers, they were basically a slow-moving target for the enemy, for the attacker. But the purpose that they served was as equal or more important as those who were actually engaging in the conflict. Because if the flag bearer ran off, And started to go the other way, then in the middle of the conflict, as as the the soldiers get turned around and they're engaged in this conflict and are fighting, and if they were to look and try to figure out where's the front line, where's the enemy coming from, and the flag bearer is behind them, they would be they would be off. They would be distracted, they would they would not know where to go, and more than likely if the flag bearer runs, they were gonna follow behind. They served as a point of direction and redirection during the battle. As the attacks came, they could look, the soldiers could look to see where the forward motion needed to be and where the enemy was coming from. And so what Moses does in this moment with the Lord as His banner, the faithfulness of God as that thing being elevated above all, is that Moses gives them a point of direction gives them a point of progression, gives them a point of value and importance, and even something worth celebrating. That, is, as all things maybe are crashing down around, I mean, I, I just, you know, we think of the most intense war, ancient war movies that we think about. You know, we think about the grittiness, the grittiness of it and, and just the, the, the aggression and the chaos that's happening. To be able to have this point of reference to look to, not only to give us some direction, but also to remind us that we're fighting for something far beyond ourselves. Far beyond this moment of chaos and conflict around me. How much value is that as we carry that into our families? That as we elevate the faithfulness of God above all things, the most valuable thing that needs to be seen, the banner raised over all things, that as the conflict and chaos rages around us and we get turned around by storms and conflict and issues and things that come up, how often do we need that reminder, that redirection? That encouragement to know where are we going? What are we doing? What am I fighting for? What is the point of all this? I mean, how many times maybe you've experienced this in your life? I know for me, I have, that there have been points even in my Christian walk that as as things press in around us, I think to myself, what am I doing? Like it would be so much easier to tuck tail and go. But then we look up. We look up and reminded, man, this is why I do this. God has not forgotten about me. God has been faithful to me. God has done good for me. You know, this staff would have been such a reminder of who God is, what God has done, and what God intends to do for His people. You know, and I love how David would say this in Psalm 20, verse 5. He says, We shout for joy over your salvation, and in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Just, you know, this joy, this shout of joy that comes when the God of Israel, when our God is elevated above all things being a reminder, a redirection of His faithfulness to us. And so Moses carries that that confidence into the conflict as he goes to this place to make sure that God is seen, that God is known, that God is directing this conflict and in the midst of it. And so not only does God as our banner bring confidence, but also the second thing and last thing this morning is this, that God as our banner brings support. God as our banner brings support. And so what does that mean? In verse 12 we see, as this conflict rages on, it says, but Moses' hands grew weary... You know, and so Moses goes into this conflict with this with this intention. He has the staff. He goes to this high place, and he says, "I want to make sure God is known. I want to see. I want His people to know His faithfulness. I want them to have direction. I want them to have uh, just a vision for what we're doing here." And so Moses goes, and he raises his hands with the staff elevated. And it says, over time, what happens? Like all of us, what happens in our life as we try our best to do what we need to do and be who we need to be for the faithfulness of God? It says, his hands grew tired. But with God as our banner, what did God provide? The first thing that we see in that is that Moses did not go into this task alone. God provided him with people, with leadership, people concerned not only for him, but concerned with the purpose at which they were stepping into. We see Aaron and her, And not only that, but also Joshua leading the people on the ground. A group of people with a common interest and goal to be accomplished. This is what the church should be. This is what we're called to be for each other. A rally point. This, this, when God is our banner, we have this rally point, this flagstaff that we gather around. And this is the point at which our purpose flows from. And that as we navigate the difficulties of life and we're trying to stand with arms raised, proclaiming the faithfulness of God as our hands become weary, what do we do for each other? The same thing that Hur and Aaron did for each other. Here it says that they held his hands up for him that they placed a stone under him, something for him to sit on. They provided for him the encouragement. They provided for him the strength that he could not carry within himself, that he could say, thank God that you've provided me people in my life to stand next to me in the midst of this. You know, obviously this battle was God's, but what a beautiful gift God has given us in each other. What a beautiful uh, gift that God has given us in our spouses. What a beautiful gift God has given us in people that He has mingled into our lives, molded around us to support us. As our hands grow weary, as our lives grow tired. As we are doing our very best to elevate the faithfulness of God above all things Above our pride, above our fear, above our doubts, we're trying so hard. And I know for all of us, man, there are so, there we try and we're doing so much and, try and working so hard to try to be the people that God has called us to be. And it's inevitable that our hands grow weary. But God has not sent us into these conflicts alone. God has provided us with people He's provided us with people that that for us, that the most important thing we do is surround ourselves with with those people. To be actively participating with those people. For us as adults, even for our students, that they would be surrounding themselves with people that as their hands grow weary and elevating the faithfulness of God, that they have people there alongside them to, uh, to hold them up. To encourage them and to remind them. You know, I just, I just imagine Aaron and her leaning into the ear of Moses and saying, listen, we've got this. We're going to do this. You can, we, can hold, we can continue to, to accomplish this together. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. God has given us support when He is our banner. You know, Moses was not too prideful to depend on those around him to assist him. You know, even though Moses had already done this on his own, Moses stood at the Red Sea with his arms raised with the staff in his hands. And what happened? God parted the Red Sea. It would have been very easy for Moses to climb to the top of this hill and say, Listen, I've done this on my own already. I don't don't need anybody. Aaron, hurry. You guys go with Joshua. I've got this. But he didn't. You know, and for us, too often, I believe, there's times that we go into conflicts, we go into things resting in our own power, believing, you know, I've done this before, I can do this again. But inevitably, our arms grow weary, but God has blessed us with support and people with a common goal, with a common interest for the glory of God and the good of His people. You know, we're sometimes we're even more aware of the power and the help of God when we work together with him than when we are when God does the work all by himself. God has invited us into this conflict to participate with it. But ultimately, and hopefully, the, the encouragement that we find is this, and the second thing as God bringing our support. Not only does He give us support in the people He provides us with, but he also gives us support in understanding this, that the battle is God's. That God was the one fighting this battle. that God was the one empowering the people that even though that God invites us in and calls us to a faithful participation in what He has done, because that's what He's called us to in how we experience the goodness and the work of God in our lives, God was fighting this battle. They weren't facing this enemy alone. Remember, Israel means God is striving, that God is working. And so these very people, every time they thought about their name, they are reminded that God is the one striving on their behalf. They're just called to follow that. They're just called into active participation of what he's doing. And so, as we enter into conflicts, as we navigate the wilderness and are ambushed by the enemies in our lives, as we lift up God as our banner, that we the support we gather from that is an understanding that God is fighting the battle. Psalm 60, verses 4 through 5. He says, You have set up a banner for those who fear you or respect you, that they may flee to it from the bow. Selah says that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation by your right hand and answer us. Listen, our lives as we navigate them are a combination of man's persistence and faith and God's sovereign strength. God is the strength at which battles are won. But He has invited us to be participants. He has invited us to walk in faithfulness, to experience, to see, to be, to be witnesses of the hand of God at work. God has called us to be ambassadors. He's, he's called us to be witnesses. But we can only be witnesses to things that we're actively participating in. How can we witness to something we haven't seen? And we can only see it if we're there. And so, as God is our support, He has invited us to be active participants, that God gives us the opportunity to participate. That the staff and and, and Moses' persistence were pointing to the great truth about who God was. It wasn't about Moses, it wasn't about the staff. Moses and the staff were nothing except for with God. They were reflections of something greater. They were reflected, so it wasn't, it wasn't dependent on Moses' strength. It wasn't dependent on the height of the elevation of the staff. It was dependence on God's presence and empowerment through those people and through those things. Moses was holding it up. But like all of us, as we try to elevate God in our lives, as we try to make known His faithfulness, all of us, Have a natural weakness that sets in that we are unable to overcome on our own. And I truly believe that the accomplishment of this conflict and the engagement of this conflict, the confidence that comes, was from the support and the faith of knowing, Moses' faith of knowing that ultimately God is winning this battle. But I want to be here to see that happen and I want to actively participate. I want to do my part. I want to be a part of what He's doing. And and, and in that, being able to rely on the strength of God. For too many of us, we're depending on our own weakness to carry us where God's strength is meant to provide for us. And so we get discouraged. We think, well, I'm not going to do this. You know, think about Moses. If he had started his way up this hill and said, got halfway up and said, I just can't. I know know I'm going to get tired. So I might as well not even try. But rather... Moses said, it's 100% likely that I'm going to get tired. So I'm still going to do it. And not only am I going to participate in it, but I'm going to invite other people to be there with me. And not only am I going to invite other people to be there with me, but I'm going to constantly believe and know that the faithfulness of God endures forever. And that in my failures, my failures as a father, my failures as an employee, my failures even as a pastor are nothing compared to the strength of God to carry on things far beyond me. And so because I have, and for us, we have that hope to hold on to, there's no reason for us to go halfway up the hill and say, no, I'm going to get tired, so I might as well stop. I'm not going to do it to the the perfection that I believe God expects, so I'm going to stop. I'm not going to lead my family because I, I wouldn't lead them well. I'm not going to elevate the faithfulness of God above all things because I don't feel like I would hold Him up high enough. I don't feel like I'm a good enough example of that. Man, with that mindset, we're depending way too much on our own strength. We're depending way too much on our own abilities. The battle is God's. And the way that they carried on through that is they were looking to God. In Hebrews 12, 2, it tells us, looking to Jesus the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the, the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And taking that and moving into this last little part, I, I just found this so encouraging, and I, I want us to focus in on this as we finish up. Then, in all of Moses' weakness, and all the things that Aaron and Hur did for him, this part stuck out to me. And in verse 12, as Moses became weak and weary, as they held up his hands, but that wasn't the only thing holding him up. Then in verse 12 we see, it says, So they took a stone, or a rock, and put it under him, and he sat on it. You know, stones in the Old Testament and New Testament play a significant role in the story of God, in the narrative of God. You know, in Exodus 17.6, it's where water came from for them, where it provided for them. In Luke 19.40, Jesus says, hey, if, if you don't cry out, if they don't cry out, then these stones will cry out and worship to me. In Genesis 29.3, we see a story where it says that they would roll the, wa- the roll the stone away so that water could flow to be given to the sheep. Not only that, but over and over and over again in the Bible, we reference a stone or a rock that stands. Isaiah 8, 12-14, it says, Do not call conspiracy all that, is pe- that the, this people calls conspiracy. And do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, Him who you shall honor as holy, let Him be your fear, and let Him be your dread, and He will become a sanctuary and a stone and a rock. Romans 9, 32, why? It says, because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works, they have stumbled over the stumbling Stone. Our First Peter two seven through eight. It says, "So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that is that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense. They stumble because they disobeyed the word as they were in dis- destined to do." And Isaiah eleven ten. It says, "In that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand." as a signal for the peoples of Him, shall the nations inquire, and His resting place shall be glorious. Church, the stone that we rest on today, as Moses grows tired and Aaron and Hur take a stone and put it under Moses, and Moses sits down and rests on that stone, knowing that in all his work, and all his struggle, and all his toil, and all his issues... That there is something stronger, something more efficient, something more firm for him to rest on. And what the Bible invites us to see is that there is a stone that people have rejected for generations and generations that has now become the cornerstone, and that cornerstone is now the resting place for the people of God to come in that rock at which we rest on, that foundation at which holds us up as we become weak and tired and dismayed in the journey of life and the navigating the wilderness of our lives, that stone is Jesus. That rock is Jesus. That confidence, that root of Jesse that Isaiah tells us about is prophecy of Jesus. Church, the rock we rest on is Jesus. He holds us up in our weakness, in our fatigue, in the battle as we navigate the wilderness of life. That He is that confidence. Moses exemplified faith in God's provision and God's participation in the battle. And his faith was not in Joshua's ability to fight, but in God's promise to provide. And so what has God provided for us as His people today as we are made constantly aware of our sin, as we're made constantly aware of our weakness, as we're made constantly aware of the commands of God before us? As we navigate those things, what has God given us to continue to fight in the midst of conflict and chaos, even in our weakness. He's given us a stone, a rock to rest on. And that rock is Jesus. That rock took our sin and shame. That rock took the penalty for our sin. took took away that that dividing line between us and God, wiped it clean, that when God sees us, He sees through the veil of Jesus, through through the righteousness of Jesus so that He doesn't see our sin and shame, that our sin and shame is as far as the East is from the West. And so when He calls us to obedience, when He calls us to baptism, when He calls us to take part in in Holy Communion, when He calls us to worship, when He calls us to pray, when He calls us to lead our families, as we see our weakness and failure, God sees us through the rock of Jed, the root of Jesse through the rock the, the firm foundation that is holding us up and so what does God have for them at the end of this as we wrap up in verse 16 verse 15 he says as he's building an altar and he called it the Lord is my banner Jehovah Nissi that the existing one or the one who existed or is exalted is my flag, my banner, my representation, my identity, the nation at which I associate with. Moses built an altar, but this altar wasn't for sacrifice. God had already done that. This altar was for celebration. And so when we build these altars in our life, when we exalt God as the banner of our life, it's not for sacrifice. Jesus already done that. This is for celebration. This is for identification. This is for redirection in the midst of our confusion. Because Moses wanted others to know, and he says in verse 16, In a hand upon the throne of, God, of the Lord, the Lord will have war. And he says, not only that, he said, but the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And so, who is Amalek? Amalek was descendants of Esau. Esau was the firstborn of Isaac, the brother of Jacob. Jacob would become Israel. And remember, Jacob did Esau wrong. But Jacob was God's chosen. And so from the very beginning of Israel's life, or Jacob's life, Esau was his enemy. As Israel moves, Esau is still his enemy in the form of Amalek. And even though they've defeated Amalek right here, he says the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Listen, there are things in our life that are, are, have been with us for a long time that constantly come back. And we see that from the Amalekites, that they keep coming back. But what does God say? He said, the Lord will have war with that enemy from generation to generation to generation. That the Lord is our banner. And that no matter the enemy that keeps coming back and coming back. These things that we think, maybe we've thought, we've dealt with, we've pushed away these generational sins, these things that we've participated in or have overtaken us at some point in our life as we continue to move forward. Something that has affected us for years, pursues us, whether it's pride, lust, fear, or doubt. These things that we feel like we've dealt with, God says, as our banner, Raised, visible, celebrated, and reminding. He says the Lord will have war with those things. Every generation, from generation to generation to generation. Whatever that sin, whatever that issue, whatever that thing is that's keeping us, getting in our way, ambushing us on our journey to the, to the promised place God has for us. God says that He's making war with that thing today. And that we have no reason not to. Move. We have no reason not to continue because God's fighting on our behalf. He's just called us to faithful steps of perseverance and persistence. And so Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner, has these two things for us to take away. That when God is our banner, it stands to give me a point of progress. In the battle, when I'm under fire, turned around and discouraged and fearful, I have a focal point to turn me back on track. And then it stands to remind me of what He has done And who he is. And lets me know that I'm not alone in the fight. That not only has he mingled other people around me to help me. But he's also gone with me and before me. And he guarantees victory. And so the challenge for us this morning is this. And I'll legitimately be done. is to remember. That in holding up God's faithfulness in our family's lives. In our own lives. That our arms may grow weak and tired but that we rest on the rock. And that the confidence of the Lord having this war won is what drives us, moves us, leads us, and that my responsibility is faith. Faith to hold up my hands, to rest in those around me to help, and to keep fighting the fight of the Lord. Church, let us pray together this morning. Father God, I just thank you God, I thank you for the truths of your word. God, I thank you for these descriptive moments that you give us all throughout the Bible to remind us of your faithfulness. God, that for us this morning, that we can know that when you are our banner, God, that we stand in confidence and that we stand in support, not only of the people that you've given us within the faith family here at Crosspoint or other Christians that we interact with outside of this place. But God, most of all, you've given us the support and confidence of your faithfulness, of who you are and what you've done. God, I pray that even with our weakness on our minds, God, that we would constantly be elevating our hands, elevating the faithfulness of, of who you are, of what you've done, those signs and those wonders and that goodness that you've been to us, the grace and mercy of your love for us, God, That we would constantly push through our weaknesses, elevate our hands in surrender, in submission to you as Moses did at the Red Sea. As Moses does in this conflict with the Amalekites, God, that he just elevates his arms in surrender in this sign to show that it's not my battle, God, but it's yours. And I'm just actively stepping in faith knowing that you will do something here. God, can we be a people... That want to see these victories for our families. Would we be these people that want to see these victories in our church, in our communities, in in this the places and spaces that we are, God? Even in the midst of our weakness, God, and not allowing our pride to keep us from having others elevate our hands, hold our hands up with us and for us, God. But most of all, that we would be resting on the rock, God. If we have not put our faith in the rock of Jesus Christ, God, let us do that this morning. Let someone do that this morning, God that we should not be depending on our own strength on our own endurance on our own abilities to accomplish the task of holding up your faithfulness. God, but I pray that you would be our banner, that you would be that rally point for us as individuals, as families, as people of God. God, that we would put our faith in the firm foundation of the rock that stands below us to support us, to hold us up that if we would exalt you, you would exalt us, provide for us, and empower us to engage in the conflicts and the chaos of life as we move into one situation after the next, one season to the next. Father God, I pray that we would know that you are Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our Banner. Father God, I just pray that you would just bless us and challenge us this morning with stepping out in the confidence and support that you've given us. Lord, we love you and thank you and praise you. In Jesus' holy name, amen.